58 seconds. Estimated time remaining 52 hours, 17 minutes, 10 seconds. What is the primary goal? You should know, Professor. You programmed me. Oh, come on. What is the primary goal? To win the game. Hey everybody, guess who's back? That's right, it's the gang here at Citizen Frame. Uh, first time I've actually named, I actually mentioned our name in the beginning of a podcast. Uh, you know, we're taking a break from January and we give you a sweet, sweet raw deal. Pardon the pun in that one, but we gave you the movie Raw Deal. <laughs> and we've had some requests. Where are you guys? You coming back? Okay. We decided we're going to do another one for you. Just a little treat. Because uh, we got a busy, long, we got a busy, busy, busy year. Um, with retrospectives and movies coming out that we all want to see. Uh, starting with the new Scream. Can't wait. March 6th. And uh, But we decided we, we kind of missed it ourselves. And, you know, we don't want the fire to dim a bit. We wanted to keep it going. So, hence the reason why we decided to uh, uh, pepper in this uh, this film from 1983. And joining me is usually, unfortunately, I guess I could say, because I'm sure he'll find Doctor Who some fucking reference in this film for Doctor <laughs> Who. Uh, that's Trevor. That's yeah, yeah, it's great to be here, as always, Kieran. And, you know, yeah, uh, and don't worry, I have a Doctor Who reference lined up for this one. Oh, fuck me, fuck me! I guarantee. I'm you, oh, you probably do. You fucking fucking think of something. <laughs> I'll try my best just to piss you off. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, but we're talking. You know, I want to do this one because we're going to be talking about this director quite a few times this year. Um, he has. We talked about Joe Dante quite a few, quite a bit here. We talked about John Landis. We talked about these directors who were huge in the 80s and then kind of fell from grace after that. We never knew why. You know, we, we never will, I suppose. But maybe they were overshadowed by the Spielberg. Spielberg kind of dominated the 80s. And that's not to take away from Spielberg, of course. But it was just Spielberg. Spielberg um, uh, Zemeckis, yeah, I'll give maybe. you a Lucas. I'll give you a Lucas, but Lucas didn't direct in the eighties. Yeah, Zemeckis was all producing. Maybe. Zemeckis might, be, but again, Spielberg kid. Um, so, so is Dante, all fairness. But uh, one director before these guys, well, around the same time Spielberg was sparking with Jaws, a director called Job Adam was getting discovered. I mean, this guy's track record is ready. Saturday Night Fever. Mm-hmm. Dracula 79, my favorite. We will be getting to a Dracula retrospective. Source Circuit, the Stakeout films, Pointing No Return, The Hard Way, Blue Thunder. I mean, this is neat. This, that's pretty impressive. Blue Thunder was the one with... Um, no, I'm yes, thinking you're, you're thinking your boy. No, Blue Thunder was uh, the helicopters, Roy Scheider and Malcolm McDowell. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Um, was spawned a airwolf. Was a spinoff kind of mm-hmm. that came out TV show. I was a big Irwin fan as a kid, but the films I mentioned, and I had, I didn't even burn on a wire. I mean, he had hit after hit after hit, and the guy does genre, different genres, and I never thought he's still around. He does a lot of the big, big commercial uh, TV shows now: Constantine, Hannibal, what do you call it, uh, Arrow, mm-hmm. The Flash. He does. He, he does Still working to this day, but no one knows his name, and I don't like that. And but the film that kind of introduced me to him was I saw in the theater when I was a kid. I was a youngin. I won't give you my age because it makes me feel old. But it was 1983's War Games, and I thought this would be a good one to talk about. I think I want to talk about also not to you know let people know who Job Adam is. But mainly because we talked about Christmas Carol recently, and we talked about Philip K. Dick, and the tooth and Frankenstein. I believe we talked about Mary Shelley real quick, mm-hmm. and it's about relevance, and it's about stories that still stand the test of time. And I'll tell you what, right now I've watched it numerous times, 
I'm a big fan of war games. Showing my cards early here. This movie could be played right now with a new cast and it'd still be relevant. I, I would argue that war games is more relevant today than it was even back then during the Cold War. I mean, obviously, technology has you know it's increased you know in huge sort of um, you know in a great magnitude. Um, you know, technology, the internet, and all this sort of thing. But, you know, the whole Russia thing, what's going on currently in Ukraine, but also the fact that, you know, hacking, computer hacking, and, you know, the whole sort of social media craziness and all that. Yeah, I, I would say this story is more relevant today than it was back then. And that's even more of an applause or feather in the cap for the writers. Absolutely. Because it's, it's prophetic in a way. It's it's groundbreaking story where people in the theater were like, what? Mm-hmm. What's going on here? Um, and before you heard of Nintendo and Apple. I space think, Invaders? Uh, you know, <laughs> space Invaders, yeah. Yeah. Even, you, had even ar- you, had, you had arcades. Yeah. But nobody had the setup this kid had, which we'll talk about. I don't get how they can afford this. Yeah, he was obviously he very, I was just going to say that. He's obviously very, comes from a very rich family. But yeah, he basically has, you know, it's basically like the Pentagon in his bedroom. But <laughs> we'll get to it. But I would also um, say as well, you know, I mean, even in these days of AI now, where AIs can write entire stories from scratch, create art, um, this is a form of AI, obviously, with the computer that um, yeah. Joshua. And I, I think AI should not be doing art in any any form because, it's, to me, it's not art then. Mm. Um, to me, you know. There's arguments on both sides there. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cool. <laughs> it, but. Yeah, it, it's definitely something different. There, there is a whole, um, you know, yeah, there's an argument for both sides there. And it's a, there's an ethical argument as well, you know? Yeah, yeah. I'll be more on the ethical side of it, I guess. But we're going to talk war games. Now, this came out of a time where somebody hitting the button was relevant and people were scared a bit. We You mentioned the Cold War. Uh, but mainly, there's a couple of films that were playing on it. Damnation Alley came out a few years before this with uh, 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 Gerard Butler. Not Gerard Butler. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Way he wasn't even born, I don't think. George Papard. Oh yeah, not at all. <laughs> close. And John Michael Vincent. And then Day After came out with Robert Duvall. I would also and, um, recommend a British animated film um, from was actually released in eighty four or eighty six called When the Wind Blows. Um, it's, it's, it features the voice of John Mills and Peggy Icecroft, soundtrack by Pink Floyd, David Bowie, and stuff. Uh, animated film um, um, written by Raymond Briggs based on his book who did The Snowman and Father Christmas uh, uh, This, but however this is not a children's film it is probably one of the most bleak and depressing films ever made but totally brilliant at the same time I love it, I have it on DVD but it tapped well, into that whole sort of um, nuclear sort of pushing the button type you know fear essentially yeah, of the time I mean- uh, the day after is a perfect example. Uh, I misspoke; it wasn't Robert Duvall, but it was a massive cast. Of, it was a made-for-TV movie, and back then, made-for-TV movies still weren't a big deal. But this put made-for-TV movies really on the map. We talked about uh, opposite ends here. It was Salem's Lot, yeah, where that kind of defined the miniseries under 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 broadcast TV, yeah. But they did Day After Tomorrow with like Joe Beth Williams, uh, Jason Robobs, Steve Gutenberg, John Lithgow, all these great actors. Mm-hmm. And it was a real first hard hitting, um, directed by Nicholas Meyer, by the way, who did Time After Time. And, but it was, it was just during a time where uh, people didn't know what it really was about by today's standards. Uh, people know what it is and, you know, it, like you mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, people are still always concerned who's going to hit the button. Yes. Now, I do love these films. Uh, there's one one film that came out right after, around the same time, called Dead Zone, mm-hmm. which we'll definitely get to. Um, and he had Martin Sheen, the crazy politician, yes. who hit the red button. Based on the King novel people. directed by Cronenberg. Yeah, Yeah, Cronenberg. I know you're waiting for you to name drop that one. Um, with Dead Zone, and he had all these films to follow where... The evil president has access to the button, and boom—that's not how it works. 
Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And there's a lot of, you know, chain of command. There's a lot of red tape. Exactly. There's a lot of, you know, codes and breaking of seals and all that has yeah. to go. And actually, I think War Games is probably the first film to, even though it is fictional and it is uh, very Hollywood-esque in, in some of the storytelling, it does let you know that there's a lot of red tape that goes through. Yeah, it gives you no a bit more of an idea of what yeah, really happens. You can't hit a button. You know, it's there's a lot of, you know, conversations to be had. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, there, 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 I mean, there was other sort of um, dramas in the UK that came out around this whole scar. Um, you know, Threads is one. Uh, but also, um, if you ever get a chance, hop onto YouTube and check out some of the British public information films of the era. Now, they are fucking terrifying. Pure horror. And these were pumped into people's houses, like during like the ad break, during Coronation Street or whatever. Um, they, that's, and not just Nuclear Armageddon, they cover, they cover everything. From you know, kids out playing in shallow water with Donald Pleasance, um, doing the voice of the Grim Reaper and stuff. So yeah, you can get you can watch them all on YouTube. Obviously, they were meant to scare and have an impact, but <laughs> they did that and more. Well, um, on that really somber note, <laughs> let's let's uh, thanks Trevor for bringing our listening audience down and frightened. Well, we are talking about World War Three to be fair. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know, but. Okay. You're just a sick bastard. You want to scare people. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. I talk, you know, Christopher Walken and Martin Sheen. And in the world. <laughs> yeah, you know. I mean, come on. It's Christopher Walken. Actually, most people listen to this, but Christopher Walken, I can see that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, we're at War Games, and this is Matthew Broderick's kind of introduction into Hollywood. He would go on to do some fun films like Max Dugan Returns, and of course we know him as Ferris Bueller. Um, and he did Ladyhawk yes. before this too. Ladyhawk was a fun little film you guys should check out. The Godzilla Honor. remake as well from like 1998 or yeah, something. Yeah, but that's that's <laughs> way after. This isn't we're talking about his beginning. Yes. Um, but yeah, we got Matthew Broderick, Ali Seeley, one of her first films. Dabney Coleman, who I'd love to see. I'm a big Dabney Coleman fan. Always a good smarmy villain. I love him in Nine to Five. Mm-hmm. My Dabney Coleman go to. Um, you have John Woods. John Wood, who plays you know, Falcon, and then you got Barry Corbin, who I like to see, who plays the general. But anyways, let's talk about the opening. Uh, we kind of, how long was that opening? Jesus, 12 minutes. Jesus. Sorry, guys, if we scared the fuck out of you <laughs> for the first 12 minutes there. Uh, I do apologize. But I'll tell you what, I watched this opening scene uh, for two reasons. It's fun for me, because I get to see John Spencer, who sadly passed away. Great actor, character actor. Loved him in Presumed Innocent, and the L.A. Law, and the Negotiator, in uh, The Rock. He always plays a smarmy prick. <laughs> and then you have the over-the-top nut job, Michael Madsen himself. Yeah, Mr. Blonde. Yeah, Mr. Blonde. This is one of his first roles. And this scene is the best scene in the film. This scene is so... What a phenomenal setup. You got the two guys, normal conversation, going to a house in the middle of some... Middle East, Middle East, Midwestern somewhere, and it turns out they run the tur- they they're the ones who hold the keys if there's a yes. nuclear war, and the whole thing was these guys have good banter and they're talking and they're shooting the shit and obviously uh, they're just you know feel like they're they're buddies they're coworkers, mm-hmm. and then when they start getting this alarm, uh, we find out later it's just a test to to test their endurance to see if they can actually pull the trigger, and. Uh, the leader in chief can't do it, and then you see his buddy take the gun to him and go, "Turn the key, sir." Yeah. What an intense! I'm not giving. Obviously, you've probably seen the film, guys, but I'm sure you all would agree that is one of the best ten minutes I've seen in an opening film in a long. It's very time. strong well, open. Oh, it is flawless. Can't touch it. And then we get the war games, and we get the little campy, kind of like that '80s keyboard. Yeah. Military music. <laughs> yeah, the fontanel's very eighties, like done on a BBC micro computer or something. Yeah, um, yeah, it's 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 very retro eighties. But again, that's not a complaint. Um, you know, and then we follow. You know, um, Matthew Broderick. Who, Matthew Broderick here is basically playing Forrest Bueller before Forrest Bueller was created. <laughs> yeah, he I mean, pretty much yes. His parents are even both uh, real estate agents, yeah. Yeah. and so are his parents and Ferris Bueller. Mm-hmm. 
very middle class, and you know they've obviously got a few quid, you know, based on his bedroom alone. You know, yeah, his fucking his. I mean, most of this film takes place in NORAD. His fucking bedroom has more fucking computer stuff than NORAD has. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it would put uh, Silicon Valley to shame. I do like the introduction after the the two uh, the one man couldn't pull the trigger. There's this argument to where McKittrick, played by David Coleman, yes, says twenty two percent of the men will not fire the weapons because they did this test to everybody, mm-hmm. and twenty two percent wouldn't do it. And that doesn't work because if, if Russia fired their weapons and only 20%, we'd lose. Uh, which is kind of where this film goes. Yeah. Uh, the tic-tac-toe theory, they call it. And the human response time is not acceptable. So you have this thing called Whopper. And no, it's not Burger King. <laughs> um, the War Operation Plan Response. I don't think we'll ever come to this. I think it's always going to be man man-powered i know we have drones and all this stuff that's kind of uh coming out now but again that's those are still man-powered there's still a man behind the machine so i don't think it would ever come to something like this um like you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast you know there's hackers left and right and and they're fucking very quite quite creative assholes but they're creative and so i don't think but assholes nonetheless you know yeah yeah. I don't think the government would ever allow that to happen. It'd be, it'd be way too dangerous. Some fucking nut job sitting in his basement, um, hacking into the fucking the, the Pentagon, or the the White House, or even the Kremlin, and you know pushing the button, or even China. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Way Again, too it's like I said, there's too much red tape for yes. that to probably ever happen. But yeah, I agree. And uh, what I liked about the film was usually when you get these U.S. military, you know, or arm, you know. All these uh, military action kind of films, militaries smoking cigars, and this this Nukemar, we're gonna kill him. <laughs> you have a yep. great character of Barry Corbin, who I like to see. By the way, he's a good good actor. I like he's a character actor. Um, he plays General Berenger. Yeah, he's, and he's against a computer taking over. This has to be man powered, and he's completely fucking right. Yes. Where Dabney Coleman's character McKentrick's wants obviously Whopper to go into place. And it's nice to see the military, and it's throughout this whole film, we'll put our cards on the table again, throughout this whole film, he is actually the one guy who listens to everybody and he doesn't go gung-ho, let's start shooting where he actually could have. He listens to everybody. And, and the best about it is, and I think a lot of this is down to the performance as well, is yeah. that he's sort of set up as he's going to be gung ho because you know he even has a cigar and stuff, and he's he yeah. Talks. They they kind of play it like he's going to be some kind yeah, of douche, but he's not really, and he's actually very sensible, and he's uh, and he's not a hothead, you know, and um, but he's sort of set up as this you know with the southern accent and the cigar chomping type thing. You think he's going to be this sort of um, military sort of you know tough nut, you know, who doesn't listen, but he's actually in reality he is one one of the most actual you know sort of human characters and that he he's actually he's a bit of a he's more of a, dip, a diplomat yeah he doesn't want to hit the button mm-hmm. they want to go oh, i'm gonna hit the button i'm gonna get you russia well that's he, what i mean being he, he's yeah, yeah exactly what you just said he yeah. doesn't want to go you know defcon defcon one yeah um so i like how the film every time something happens within the film uh let's say david's playing with the computer or whatever mm-hmm he has to go down DEFCON 4, DEFCON 3, because every time he fucks, David fucks up, things get more real or on their end. Mm-hmm. So yes, yeah, so I did think it's real. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I like how they set up David. I, I got to admit, um, watching it again, <sighs> David, he, he comes off like a spoiled brat, and I, I, I'm not a big fan of his character. I'm actually more in, invested in the NORAD characters, McKintrick and Beringer and Pat Neely. But at the same time, it, it's quite authentically, authentically written and played because most middle-class young lads like that are not, not, don't even have to be middle-class. They can be, anyway, most um, teenage lads like that, especially if they're a bit clever, are pretty insufferable. And the art yeah, yeah. So it's quite believable in that respect um, that he's going to be an arrogant little dick. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah. It almost has a, a John Hughes feel to it. it. Well, to- absolutely, 
Absolutely. In fact, I was talking to some of my friend about this film, and they were saying, oh, yes, I remember that. that that's a brilliant film. John Hughes directed that, didn't he? And I was like, no, but it sort of gives off a, a sort of vibe almost of a John Hughes film in certain respects. It does, especially the Ali Sheedy. Uh, it was actually probably the wisest one of those. Yeah, of she's those the most two. sort of almost the, the sort of most likable character, I think. And she's almost like, turn it off, turn it off. Mm-hmm. She even she knew too. I do like how they plant the seed when they're hey let's book you tickets to Paris. Yes, and they're having fun and they're breaking in and they go to these two nerds, uh, <laughs> these IT guys who are good character actors. They're still around, and they uh, they tell them about which again going back to ahead of its time, mm-hmm. the backdoor theory where anyone who creates a program and if whatever happens between them and the company they're doing the program for they will create what they call a backdoor. Oh, this film's very well researched. Oh god, yeah. And back then with backdoor, but it and in saying that though, picking back what you just said there Trevor, it's not it's layman's terms. Yes. It's not fucking blah 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 jargon blah blah blah. Well, it is literally you understand. It wouldn't be point commercially a, point B, viable a, a film if it was just complete techno uh, mumbo jumbo, you know, people well wouldn't be Tron invested in it, you know, <laughs> unless you were a complete computer nerd yourself, you know. Tron, Tron lost me a mm-hmm. little bit. <laughs> Tron did that. I haven't seen it in years, and in fact, again, once again, I go back to it. This is the first time I'd seen war games since being a kid myself and watching it when it was originally released on video. Well, we'll get to your final thoughts at the end there, but did you see that sweet, sweet computer? Computer, he's got. <laughs> MSA MSA 800 mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> what the fuck is that I never heard of it um, yeah because back then no one had their own personal computers no no this kid must have been minted but and I, it certainly I, didn't have one as fucking grand as this kid had with the fucking modems and the printers and yeah the whole shebang yeah, yeah everything you know yeah, everything man but he breaks in after playing around with it and why does he break into theirs again I forgot why does he break into well, basically, it's the program searching because he wants a new computer. Remember, he sees the computer, this like top computer advertised in the magazine. It's like a techie magazine, and uh, he's I think he, he just basically wants this new model of computer, and he's like gets the the modem or whatever it is to search through all the addresses. That's the phone numbers. Yes, the they, phone numbers. They, they thought it was going to cost them an arm and a leg to do this. Yes, the phone numbers. Dial up, <laughs> and he comes across it then, and he's offered all these. He's, he's basically looking for games. And he gets these um, the, um, offers of games after, you know, reaching the correct phone number. And it's like chess or um, drafts or, you know, All right, poker. so yeah. he was looking for this free thing, but he came across this thing that By popped up where Falcon hit it. Yes. And it ended up being Joshua's game set, chess. Yes. All the basic games you would play, and then obviously, as you went down the list, you saw global war. thermonuclear war, guerrilla warfare, yes. all this stuff. Yeah, it was basically looking free games because, I mean, he'd already booked a free holiday to Paris with um, Ali Sheedy. And yeah. he was, um, I think, did, did he break into a bank? Or he was talking about breaking into a bank? He changed his grades at school and, yeah, uh, and yeah. her grades. Um, so basically, yeah, he was just looking free games. So. He does this, and oh, before this, there's a first of all, the parents in this film are awesome. I love the parents, I like his They're dad, fun. yeah, dad's awesome. He, I actually, in the states, we have our corn on the cob, right? Yeah, what I the actually fuck was butter, going on with that scene? That was so I butter, weird. I butter my corn on the cob because of this movie. <laughs> How he does it, you put the butter on the piece of bread. That, and then you roll the corn and cob on the bread to get the butter. It's the that perfect way to do scene, it. right? Fair enough. I'm not arguing that, but that scene should have been. It, it does not forward the plot in any way. It's just this random scene of this it's guy. It's awesome. I, it's fucking. It's it's pointless. And and no, it's not. You know why? Why? Because it shows that the parents, as fun as they are, are clueless to what their son's doing. <laughs> so they threw that in there to show that he can get away with whatever he's doing. They're not really paying attention. And then when he bites into the corn, this is raw. <laughs> oh, oh, it's a new thing. Blah, blah, blah. Isn't it great? It's raw. Yeah, it's just, it's... it was just a weird. It was just like <coughs> you see him like um, sort of rubbing it in the butter and stuff. So what is the point in this? Where, where are we going here with this? Yeah. But... No, I think that's what it is. It's that they're, they're, they're decent people. They're just innocent. They're, 
they're kind of what their son's up to. Yeah, exactly. So I think that was the point of it. I got it. I went with it. Um, but that was, I just thought that was funny. <laughs> I still do that to this day with my corn. Don't get much corn over here. No, you don't. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think with yourself growing up in America, it would sort of, you would appreciate much, it much more, you know, maybe if, maybe yeah, but you, but you it don't, it doesn't have to be the corn thing. It could have been any kind yeah, of Yeah, I was going to say, maybe if the dad had it been like dipping bread in the stew or something or, or plastering yes. salt all over it, I would have got it more, but yeah, fair enough. So I think that's all they were doing. They're just showing that they're blind to what their kids yeah. doing. Um, so yeah, so he comes up with all these games and blah, 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 and he picks global thermal nuclear war, which he thinks is just risk mm-hmm. at this point, the board game. And obviously this sets off the military sees that NORAD sees it happening, mm-hmm. but it's not. But they quickly find out that it's just a glitch that someone's hacked them. And they're just seeing what the game is doing. And they quickly realize that David, his, I like that. They quickly realize, okay, this little fucker. Because back, you know, back then you didn't have high VPNs, whatever you call them. Yes. Computer literate. You couldn't hide your address. But they track them down anyway. They track him down in two seconds. But again, he wouldn't be hiding because he didn't think he was doing anything wrong. It's, it's Strickland He's, from Back to the Future that tracks him down. This film is like yeah, that's right. This, this film is, is like a uh, who's James who Tolkien. of eighties character actors. James Tolkien from Top Gun. He's in Top Gun. Yes, as well. yes, he is indeed. He's a, he yeah. was in a lot of. Um, I mean, like I say, it's it's a who's who of eighties character actors and Mister Blonde from Reservoir Dogs. There is it's good, good, it's good. Good, 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 uh, good cast of veterans here, especially David Coleman. Yeah, and the guy who plays the um, the, the assistant of the army general guy, um, he's like he, army he, he's, guy. he he's the hotel manager in Ghostbusters and all. You know the snooty hotel manager in Ghostbusters. I mean, yes, that's right. That's that's a rare reference. You get the rarest references. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes he sort of I notice all these character actors. When at some a lot of the time I don't even know their real names. But you say oh, that yeah, that's a guy from such and such. You know, <laughs> he played like a really like tiny role. He played the taxi driver in some random film from the seventies or eighties. You know, yeah. When he, we talked about the back door when he got him from his nerd buddies. Mm-hmm. He tells them track him through uh, Falcon's maze. Yes, that's the one you want to track because the Falcon's the designer probably, mm-hmm. and that's where you get this montage of him searching Falcon and who he was and stuff. Yeah. Um. So when he gets, I thought when he gets t- taken into NORAD, and he is being. Well, there's really not much interrogation. They're pretty nice to him, in all fairness. Yeah. And uh, that, which I thought was okay. I thought was okay. guard who's like an army sort of um, officer type. He, he like looks Hispanic or something, and he's wearing the white gloves and stuff. It was just pure ladies. And then he starts flirting with the um, secretary about tennis. I hear you're a good tennis player. <laughs> yeah. Did you see? Pure did you see? Did you see the scene where him and Ali Sheedy are looking up? Uh, Falcon. Yeah. And they go, oh, he's dead now. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. Well, he was old. How old was he? 41. I know. I know. Oh, that's that, old. I know. that. That And here, see the guy who plays him, um, who's supposed to be presumably still in his 40s. Fuck, he looks well in his 60s. And it was just, see, whenever the... To, to be fair, they're teenagers saying old is 42. I mean, back when I was a teenager, I would have thought fucking people in their 20s were old, you know? I, I mean, I mean I'm, I'm going on a bit of a fucking, um, this is a bit of a sort of side, but uh, I remember um, as a kid tr- trying to work out what age it would be, working out what age it would be in the year 2000 and, and thinking 23 and saying, what, that's old as fuck. So, yeah, but yeah, I did feel my age whenever that scene is played out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... Well, I think they do that on purpose. Oh yeah, because they're teenagers. Again, that's teenagers the John Hughes. That's, yeah, that's, like the, that. that's the John Hughes mind right there. That's yeah. you know, that's something what you would see in the Breakfast Club. Absolutely. Or something like that, where teens just don't have any, well, quite frankly, common sense. Yeah, exactly. Um, but this guy, uh, aside from that, this um, the guy who who plays Falcon looks much older than forty two. <laughs> he does, John Wood. Yeah, he does. Looks a lot older. Yeah, I mean, this I guy's touching sixty. I, I could be wrong, but I believe he's the villain in Lady Hawk. 
with Matthew Broderick. I'm not too sure. I, I mean, it's been so long. I'm gonna watch Lady Hawk. We gotta do Lady Hawk. Yeah, no worries. Was, yeah, Rod, uh, underrated. People forget about it. Mm-hmm. Rocker Howard, Michelle Pfeiffer, Matthew Broderick, great cast. John Wood. Yeah, I'm pretty sure John Richard Donner directed. Okay, um, so when he breaks into the computer, the computer even warns him. When David, he goes, uh, I want to play global thermal nuclear war. And Joshua, we call Joshua on the computer, he says, do you want to play a game of chess rather? Let's, let's play a game of chess rather. Mm-hmm. Telling him we don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. But he still wants to play it. And that never came back. I thought they would play with that. Yeah. Bit, where the computer's pretty much giving him a red flag. Yeah. Well, do what you want to play, but I recommend we just do chess. I, I, I'm a bit, as you know, I'm a bit warped. I, I always like the thought of Joshua actually being sentient, uh, but being evil. You know, like Hal. Um, Not even close. I know, but uh, I, 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 I... And Hal wasn't evil. We discussed that. He was doing his job. He got screwed. Yes, I know out there, but he was still sort of... Uh, nope. Uh, I, he was the villain of the film. You know, he whether, was not the villain of the film. he meant it or not. The villain of the film, we discussed this, was Stanley Kubrick <laughs> and Arthur C. Clarke. Yeah, bullshit. Okay? Yeah. Hal was not... Anyone who listens to this, I argued this. Yes, he, I know I... Hal was, he did nothing wrong. It, he thought he was doing the right thing. Yes, I know that. But what I'm saying is I wanted a Hal type, Joshua to be Hal type and become um, sentient for want of a better phrase and to be um, basically um, looking to fuck humanity. I wanted him to be Skynet from the Terminator films. Well, see, we get Skynet and we get Hal. Well, Hal's a good guy. And <laughs> we get all this computer. It's nice for a change that it's not the computer's fault. Mm-hmm. Um, it's It's... The... The, the computer not understanding yeah um the uh, well so actually we come to that because the, the commands it's, just, it's not understanding the commands properly yeah it's interpreted I mean, literally you know Almost. now you got computers that are starting to adapt that can interpret their mistakes mm-hmm. and stuff like that kind of like you mentioned in the beginning mm-hmm. the AI and all and uh so this this uh I kind of like the fact that it's a safe bet. Joshua, which we clearly know is Falcon's kid. Yes. Um, when they go to Falcon. I thought Falcon, I will say this, the full Falcon character was kind of a pussy and a putz. Yeah, a bit of a dick, yeah. Kind of a dick. Yeah. Um, I felt that you were willing to kill everybody because your child died? Uh, but also, but, you know, I, I think there may have been scenes edited out, but I, I wasn't very sympathetic towards him. With a character like that, it works better if they're, if you, you know, when obviously through the acting and the writing, it works better if you're if the audience is more sympathetic, although we mightn't agree with them and their methods, but you have sympathy with them for, you know, in this case, losing his son. But this guy just come across as a dick. And yeah. Said, and all this shit about the dinosaurs once ruled the earth and, you know, it's time for a change. Humanity's had their days. That could have been, that could have worked a lot more sympathetically. You know, like, you know, like you have a villain and a James Bond film that comes up with some mad plan like this, but there's a certain logic behind it. Or is that just me? Am I just warped? Uh, <laughs> where I sort of sympathize with villains. But yeah, they should have been more sympathetic. And well, also, the pro- he changed his tune too quickly as well. Yeah, the problem I had with it was... Yeah, all he says was, oh, because you could die or something. That that. What I had a problem with it, they put on this island. He's got a beautiful fucking house. Mm-hmm. All this beautiful blah, 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 and all these electronics, all these toys. He's living fine. And he's like, oh, we'll be in the blast radius. We're only a few feet away. We're all good. We'll <laughs> die right away. So it's poor bastards you live after. I'm like, you prick. Yeah, pretty sadistic, like, you know. It's like, because your kid died, you're going to behave like this? You want to and destroy it, humanity? Mm-hmm. And it's a one line fix. Yeah, that makes you fucking change your tune. And, uh, I thought that was poor. I thought that was poorly done. You're right. There's probably some editing where. Yeah, the uh, I know the the, for, the original director was fired from this, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so there could be scenes that were cut because of that. Yes, and and then uh, you know once he does change his tune, he's very much on the side of you know David and you know stopping Joshua and stuff. So it's a bit too much of a jump in such a short time. I do like the before we got to falcon when they're investigating how they had that montage where every time uh behringer would have to go to defcon 4 defcon 3 yeah it'd cut to them uh david uh, oh my well what's her name again 
David and Jennifer. Jennifer, yeah. It, well, it's it's an eighties film, so obviously she's called Jennifer. I mean, most fucking eighties films um, that had a teen angle had a female called Jennifer. At least the ones I remember, anyway. Uh, but they they would cut to them, and they would be like you know having fun, having pop, drinking pops, yeah. And they're playing global thermal nuclear war. Then you cut to NORAD panicking. Yeah. Defcon three, Defcon three. They don't see what they're doing. So it's a, it was a nice, uh, you know, mm-hmm. back and forth. Yeah, juxtaposed. To, they're having a good, they're young kids having a good time, having fun, and then you go up to, to what what they're actually causing. Yeah, they're they're clueless to what they're actually really doing. Yeah, they think they're playing computer games. Well, they are, yeah. but <laughs> the stakes are high. <laughs> but yeah, when when he gets called out and he gets brought brought into NORAD, he we're going all over the place. But who cares? And before he escapes, what's the escape scene silly? Uh, you're not escaping from NORAD. Let's get that out of the way now. Yeah, it's contrived. We'll let him, but it works. Yeah, we'll, enjoyed it. Yeah, we'll, we'll go with it. We'll go with it. But I do like the fact the things they were doing with, doing in the beginning of the film that we didn't really pay attention to, come back to bite him in the ass. Mm-hmm. Like, who's who's your accomplice? Uh, when McKintrick's like, who's your accomplice? Who are you, who are you going to Paris yes. with? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, no, 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 no. We're just faking. That wasn't that wasn't <laughs> us. Yeah. Um, and and I do like the fact that they don't over. Uh, they they kind of they kind of understand maybe this kid isn't the is is you know is not a terrorist. Yes. Or he's not he's, he's not a- out to cause harm. Well, these days he would probably believe he was what's known as an incel. You know, and he'd be, or you know, this, the, you know, the whole sort of high school shooter type, you know, basement dweller, you know, sitting on YouTube being brainwashed with whatever, and then going out and committing all sorts of crimes. But, yeah, but if you go in and you try to hack into something like Whopper, I'll give you an example. Yeah, you're gonna get it. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't care. You try to, you try to go into a break into a military, <laughs> you know, defense. There's problems. Yeah, fucking You're, right there, especially in America. They'll fucking shoot you. <laughs> yes. Pop a cap in your ass. <laughs> yes, and you do agree with that, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, I was about to say, no, give him, you know, oh, give him a pat in the back and see what's going on. Nah, nah. Though in all fairness, the CIA will probably hire him. Yeah. <laughs> now we got to the big showdown where I need no idea pretty much, uh, McKittrick, and you had Behringer kind of fighting each other. Mm-hmm. And I'm on Behringer's side. Where Baron just got to go. Okay, we're in DefCon three. We're DefCon two, and then when David and uh, Falcon show up, they tell him it's just a game. You've got to stop doing what you're doing. And this is what we talked about in the beginning. I like the fact Baron just steps down and goes, "Hold on, yeah, we'll see what's up here. We'll yeah. see what's going on." I yeah, I also love the line that he says, "Where um, you know this is just a game." And so around this point, he says, "Just pull the plug out." <laughs> And it reminded me of one of the Naked Gun films where that's how to stop a bomb by just pulling the plug out. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's right. That was Airplane. What? You sure? It wasn't Naked Gun. Was it Airplane? That was a Leslie Nielsen um, comedy anyway. Oh, uh, they're, they're, he's in that one either way. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so the whole concept is they let him play it out and then they, they, they suggest, David suggests to the computer guy, Let's play uh, tic tac toe. Yeah, and the reason because it was brought up earlier, nobody plays tic tac toe anymore because there's really no winner. Mm-hmm. Never, you know. And so as he is, Josh was trying to get the codes um, to launch the missiles. He's play. He's, he's also having them play tic tac toe, and with him pretty much finding out that tic tac toe, there's no outcome. Yeah, he realizes this game will have no outcome. Yeah. So he ends the strike. Is that correct? Is that how that works? It basically it it becomes a stalemate, um, essentially, um, like a, like in chess. And the computer, I think the computer actually says something. You know, in that wee electronic voice that they have, and it um says something like um, "strange game," you know, because there's no winner. So I think the basically the computer gives up because it's a stalemate and stops trying. Yeah, because he says something like, "Uh, yeah, you're right. There's no winner." Yes. Um, how about a how about a nice game of chess? Yes, because the computer just wanted to win the game. The computer the computer's not looking to ma- the computer doesn't even understand the concept of massacring all these humans or whatever and all of this life. It is just programmed to win a game, and the tic tac toe thing fucking scrambles it it up. And because it can't, you know, it, it, it's they it can't be won. There can be no winner. It's it's basically stalemate. 
Yeah, you know, and you know what I also liked about it the the best parts of the film to me were NORAD, mm-hmm. and I love that set. It almost looks like a set they've used in like three thousand of other films. Uh, yeah, I was going to say uh, it does. And <laughs> bear with me on this. It reminded me of the oh, sort of don't, set don't, don't, you would have got don't. in the sixties and seventies in a James Bond film or a Doctor Who serial starring. No, John first Kirkby. of all, first of all, first of all, <laughs> Doctor Who. <laughs> Could not afford this kind of set. They use cardboard boxes. Yes, they do. But you to put, a, put, a put no, 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 no. There's no way this would be on the same scale. You piece of shit. I know exactly what you were doing there, just to f- throw fucking Doctor Who on the goddamn thing. Um, James Bond, you're fucking wrong. Either. Maybe late seventies Bond. Well, Diamonds Are Forever I, has a similar I feel type like, of setup. I feel like. Well, I feel like this was used on like Superman yeah. set, or I feel like this was used in Spy Who Loved Me or Moonraker. It's actually quite any similar. Kind of, any kind of NASA base kind of Halloween Three uh, as well. <laughs> no, there's a no. You 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 really don't do comparisons at all. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. There are random. Like I'll give you that. Fucking hell! But the Doctor base, Who the base, uh, um, what is it? Is it Cochrane and um, the Toy Factory base essentially in Halloween Three? It's not all like it. <laughs> No, it is like it. <laughs> it's the, it is a wee bit. You know, you're, you people listen. You do realize people listen to this think you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> That's where my head goes. How, <laughs> how the hell do you compare this to '60s fucking Doctor well, Who? Well, all that old sort of sets computers and, and stuff. You know. I, no, 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 no. Let's just move on. I was just actually making a cool comparison. And you, you just, you just went off the plot. <laughs> but no. I do like, and you know what I liked about it was, is you know the whole countdown scene. Even if you watch it by today's standards, it's, you still think you're, you know something could go wrong. It is a cliche, yeah. but it's it's a tried and tested cliche that does work. Yes, yeah, it yeah. holds it's up. Tech and bomb, and, you know. Yeah, oh my God, they're gonna make it. Yeah, then it goes uh, to the last second. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, pure cliche, but you know what. It, it works in a film like this, absolutely. Do you know what I love? When that lady, whoever her name was, she was walking around Whopper. Yeah. And Whopper, guys, is just a big gray box <laughs> with, like, red and yellow dots. Yes. And she's taking notes. Yeah. Like, what the fuck is she writing what, down? Yeah, exactly. What, what, what are you exactly seeing that we're not seeing Yeah, here? exactly. That whole entire setup could probably be stored on a pen drive now. <laughs> the size know, of your thumb. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. It's amazing, isn't it? Oh yeah, the advancement in technology um, today. I would say as well, back you know after that film was released, um, home computers did start becoming more popular. You know through the eighties and early nineties, and films like um, you know war games, war games especially, um, inspired loads of kids to be want to be hackers. You know, well, look at look at um look at a, a film that we forgot to mention, uh, Electric Dreams. Yes, that came out what's the same year, mm-hmm. or maybe eighty four. Which is about online dating. Yeah, yeah. PCs, which are again, you know, copy and paste what we said about war games. Yeah, it, it, it probably transitions even more. I haven't seen Electric Dreams, but yeah. yeah. Remember the famous song by the guy from Human League? Aye, Forever in Electric Dreams. Yeah, that's oh, the no, song what, from the movie. But that film was that film called Electric Dreams? Yeah. Yes. 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 And there's a guy who stars in it who was also in Twin Peaks. Um, yes, I know who you're talking Oh, my God. <laughs> Leave it to you for fucking war games, and you got Twin Peaks and Doctor <laughs> Who. You know what's funny? I'm serious. I'm cutting you out now. <laughs> so I'm going to tell, tell you people right now. He did not mean to say that the Doctor Who sets were better in, in, than the NORAD sets. <laughs> I didn't set say better, games. but he I said just that's what said, it reminded no, me of. It doesn't remind you of it. Don't stop. <laughs> it... it He's just doing it to throw Doctor Who into the mix. <laughs> he needs a lot of help. <laughs> My God. I do have a lot of issues of Doctor Who magazine, but anyway, sorry, it's bad but, joke. Uh, what's your uh what's your final thought on uh the classic war games? War games uh, uh very solid. Um um it's I would say it's an eighties classic. Um very solid, yeah. very tightly scripted, well scripted. Um, it's not perfect, but um, it's very, very good, I would say. Yeah, it's probably, even over Ferris Bueller, my favorite uh, Matthew Broderick film. Um, it's just, I can watch it again right now. It's just, it's it's a good play. It's There's something about it. Yeah, and the characters are good. Yeah, Like I said, they didn't sell out by making the whole cliches of the angry military guy. Yeah. You thought they were going that direction, but they didn't, which I liked. Uh, like you mentioned earlier, I like the fact that you had 
good veteran act. Well, even they were still younger at the time, but now we consider Dabney Coleman and Barry uh, Corbson, uh, Cor- Corbin Corbson, I believe is his name. Um, Matthew, and then you got the young talent with Ali Sheedy and Matthew Broderick. So they mixed they mixed the cast well. Barry Corbin, sorry, John Wood who played Falcon. So and then you got the introduction of you know John Spencer and uh, Michael Madsen. Yeah, it's kind of nice to see. He's very nostalgic. So it's got so much going for it. You know, um, not to mention the how relevant the film is mm-hmm. and still is today. Uh, very well written, I would say. I would add. And um, uh, uh, one thing I was just going to pick up on you, you, you mentioned the um, military guy, Beringer. Um, I think the great thing about Beringer's argument, you know, which basically was that he didn't want computers, and also the guy, sorry, what do you call him again, who, um, you know, the computer guy with the mustache, who's like, you know, who brings the computer in in the first place. Yeah. Um, I think the great thing is that both of their arguments, and this is how well written this film is, both of their arguments are feasible and they're understandable. Um, so, yeah, it's just very well written and very, it's a mature script, even though it's generally a fun sort of family thriller. So Yeah, and what, and, and what works on that, what you just said, there's no egos here. Yes. They're talking about why it wouldn't work this is, and they give you the reasons, not because we're this, we're, we're blah. They literally give you rhyme and reason why it won't work, and that's what makes it work. Going back to what you said about the writing, yeah, and the, the, it also makes them much more believable human characters. Exactly. So there you go. War Games. Uh, everyone's seen it. They did a sequel to this. Do you know that? Yes, uh, I just learned that while I'm sort of looking up on IMDb for this podcast. I haven't seen the sequel. Apparently, it was straight to video, straight to DVD. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's what I like to call a piece of shit. <laughs> uh, I'm sure you'll love it, Trevor, because you love Return of Sam's Lot. So, <laughs> you can, I mean, you probably think it's a masterpiece. Well, you know, so, Stranger Things have happened. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus, I don't think I'll ever watch it. Uh, no, you will. You're probably going to go, oh my God, I'm going to buy the box set. <laughs> um, I know they are toying with trying to do a reboot of this, which actually, in all fairness, could work because, like you said, it's relevant by today's standards. And But don't touch it. I was, still, yeah, well, I was thinking while watching this, um, you know, I was sort of struggling with it myself. You know, should, you know, I don't, I don't like remakes in general. You know, obviously there have been rare ones that have worked greatly, you know, Cronenberg's The Fly and such. But if there's one film that, if in the right hands uh, and handled correctly, maybe with a small M it could work. But essentially just stick with the original, as I always say. But it's just because of technological advancements that we have today, basically on our own phone, in our hands, um, it could work. It, it would be funny. Yeah, you, you could expand it, I suppose. Yeah. Um, like a requel, kind of. Mm-hmm. And somebody like Chris Nolan probably could handle yeah. this. Um, very smart and very sophisticated. But you've, you're right, you got to pepper in so many new. Here, they didn't have much. Uh, we found them. That's them. We got them. Yeah. Tracked them. Done. Yeah. Now, it would be so much harder to do what they needed to do to get to David. Mm-hmm. Um and to be able to do what David did, so there's you would have you would have to have fucking <laughs> the greatest writers on that. Yeah, it would, um, it would essentially be the Born Identity, you know, with Christopher Nolan. Yeah, some somebody like Nolan. Yeah, exactly. But there you go. There you are. We got uh, War Games. Um, uh, yeah, check it out, guys. What well, I'm sure if you listen to this podcast, you've seen it. It's one of those films that anyone everyone I know has seen it, and they all like it. Doesn't seem to get a bum rap. Everyone seems to enjoy it, mm-hmm. um, young and old, um, and which is the way most films should be. Yep. Uh, listen, we got a busy, 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 busy time coming up. We're gonna do vampire retrospective. We decided there's so many vampire. Last four is the Dentmers coming out. I want to die to see that. We got Renfield coming out. You've got uh, Nosferatu remake coming out. Uh, so. I think we should tackle some vampire stuff. And then we got Indiana Jones coming out. We got uh, New Miss Impossible coming out. Just all these stuff. That are, and then all these ones are thrown at us that you don't know are coming out. Yeah. We're starting to release these small independent films. We're going to go back to revisit X. It's now going to be a trilogy. So I've seen uh, Pearl is the new one. Mm-hmm. It's the prequel to X, which we all loved X. 
So we'll probably do plural. And then there's triple X coming out, uh, which is the aftermath of after X. So a lot of stuff we can, we, we're going to try to pepper in this year. And then we get some massive changes and stuff coming up as well, like we told you earlier in the year. Um, but that's it. Anything you want to add there? Anything new with Phantasmagoria? Um, or you just take, yeah, just I mean, a break? Um, Phantasmagoria will be doing, you know, this coming year they'll be doing there'll be a couple of regular issues and a couple of specials. More details to follow. But in the meantime, the latest Fantasy Tales special edition that we've done, it's on sale through... Um, from Amazon throughout the world and Forbidden Planet International Belfast and all of the rest of our back issues are available in the same way too. They have it. And I'm in a couple of those you know magazines. You so if you just want to, you know, you know, if you just look for my name, that's the ones you want to get probably anyway. <laughs> Your fan base. Yeah, you could probably sign, sign them if you want. Yeah. You know. Well, <laughs> Uh, most people, most people who actually would do that and actually read one of my reviews would go, "My God, he can read and write. <laughs> That's amazing." <laughs> uh, but yeah, cool. Uh, thanks for jumping on. And like we said, guys, we just did this um, just because. Actually, kind of missed doing it. We just kind of yeah. two weeks for this after. You know what? We could throw one in. We're getting cold turkey. Yeah. So, and uh, we didn't want you guys to miss us too much as well. Yeah. All right, uh, thank you so much to all the downloads, guys. I'm literally telling you we're up 193% from last year. That's, I don't know what to say, uh, especially to our uh, new listeners, um, especially in the states, from California, Texas, Tennessee. Thank you so much, especially Tennessee and Virginia. And uh, welcome new listeners from Hawaii, Alaska, and our German uh folks are back thank you so much um we can see who's downloading well what you know countries and city you know what uh, states are downloading not not your specific address we're not norad here yes exactly Um, so (laughs) we're better yes (laughs) but whoever you guys are we do appreciate it thank you thanks guys yeah you got it and with that being said we're retiring have a good one talk soon